Blog Talk Radio. Hello there, Dr. Ross Green here, coming to you live as always from the offices of Lives in the Balance here in Portland, Maine, with another edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. I'm glad you're listening in, either live or from the uh, archives in the listening library on the Lives in the Balance website. As you probably know, we do this program every week, well, almost, sometimes holidays get in the way. Every once in a blue moon, my travel schedule gets in the way, but we do this program once uh, every week on Mondays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, September through May. Um, why do we do it? Well, Lives in the Balance uh, sponsors this program because we want to make sure that my model, now called Collaborative and Proactive Solutions, is as accessible to people as possible and um this is a great opportunity for people to call in and ask questions about that model and um, about applying it to the behaviorally challenging child in your life. Now, we have a uh, pre-planned caller from last week standing by, but if you want to call in, that number is 347-994-2981. If you want to be reminded by Twitter that the program is about to go on the air, just click on the little Twitter insignia icon, I don't know if that's what it's called, on the uh, homepage of the Lives in the Balance website, sign up for the Twitter feed. It's the only thing we use the Twitter feed for uh, as reminders for people that one of the radio programs is about to go on the air. Now, we've got a bunch of uh, email to answer today as well, but if you do want to call in, feel free. But we're going to try to help this mom from last week, from area code 605. You're on the air. How are you today? Hi. Better better than last week, although I still have tons going on. <laughs> well, and listening to you last week, it sounded like you have tons going on, but yeah. um, I'm glad things are going better. Um, give us a little bit of a sense of... Um, What's better, do you think? And then my goal for today, if this still seems to be what you need help with, is to really get a decent handle or at least get a good jump start on getting a decent handle because I don't think we want to take the whole program with it, but we'll see, um, Mm -hmm. on your child's lagging skills and unsolved problems Mm -hmm. using the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. But tell tell us where your head's at today. Well, I just, I mean, I still have the same problems that we're dealing with, um, and but at least now, like, I can think clearer from, I mean, talking about it and everything and, and just, like, really thinking about, like, what I need to do to be able to move forward. Um, so I've been able to, you know, start putting things in place to move forward with it. You know, for example, with you know, the school, and we have a meeting today, and so I'm going to go in there and see if there's anything we can do, and I did already, 
you know, request an IEP meeting. So, um, you know, like I have that in place and, you know, I've, I've, you know, spoken with my husband. So we know what we're looking for, um, you know, to, to help him at school. And so, you know, he kind of helped me narrow it down a little more. And um, so I guess I'm more focused. And so that helps. <laughs> Good. It certainly sounds that way. Um, yeah. And here's, here's what I find. There are so many things that can be going on when one has a child in one's household or a student in one's classroom who is behaviorally challenging, Mm -hmm. that it truly can be very overwhelming. And becoming less overwhelmed, I find, and figuring out what to do next and where to devote one's energies often is helped out by using this instrument called the Assessment of Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems because it helps us be less global in what it is that we want to be working on. It helps us be much more specific, and I find that that helps people actually start moving in the right direction, whereas when people are feeling overwhelmed, and this is not just parents and teachers of behaviorally challenging kids, but when anybody's feeling overwhelmed, it's very hard to figure out what to work on so as to help one's self be less overwhelmed. But you're certainly feeling less over, sounding less overwhelmed today. Let me ask you, do you want to spend a little bit of time yes. on the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems so we can yes, start? Yes, I prepared that so that I can do it. Like I printed it out, I have it in front of me, and I have... I picked um, three from school and three from home that we've worked on or that are very important. There's only one that I haven't worked on with him um, that is important on the list, and, yeah, I'd like to go over that. Okay. So um, when you say you picked what's important... Like, well, the things that need to be addressed for Plan B, like, um, now or have you know, are in the works, you know, already, like, with Plan B, you know? Got Those it. things, so, yeah. So here's the thing. One of the mistakes people sometimes make is mm-hmm. they prioritize the lagging skills instead of the unsolved problems. And when I heard you talking last week, I thought that might be something that you were doing. When you say that you've prioritized did you prioritize lagging skills or did you prioritize unsolved problems? The unsolved problems. Good. The lagging skills, honestly, I could check off every single lagging skill on the list and say that that needs to be worked on with him. Got it. But All right. the unsolved so now, problems, I picked three. So you're pretty far along per, here. Yeah. You've, uh, yeah. You're, you're, uh, you're making headway. Um, so let me. So you could have checked off every single lagging skill, and and some people sometimes say that. Since I could check off every single lagging skill, I won't check off any. But um, you don't want to – don't do that because you – especially if you have someone who isn't yet of the conviction that your child is lacking skills, taking the time to go through the lagging skills is actually a very productive activity. Otherwise, what I find happens is people are left to their own conclusions 
about what's causing the unsolved problems, and we want to make sure that it's crystal clear that the major contributing factor to the unsolved problems is the lagging skills. So uh, good to make sure that you're checking off lagging skills, even if you're checking off all of them. That's very compelling proof for the fact that your child is indeed lacking skills. But let's hear, and what I'm going to let's hear your unsolved problems that okay. you decided to prioritize. Okay, at school, there's staying a part of the group at song and activity time. They have a certain large group time where he has a hard time staying part of the group. Got it. And I think that's excellent. My only input on that one is I would split it. And what I mean by splitting it is I would treat those two situations as different unsolved problems. Okay. The song and the activities. I'm sorry? You mean the song and activities separate those? Uh, is the song and the activities two different things? No, they're the same. It's the, at the same time period, but um, sometimes they do um, like song and sometimes they like and dance, song and dance, and then sometimes they do exercise activities. Is Got that it. what you wanted me to separate? Or well, and I guess my question is this: Is he having difficulty staying part of the group in both? What no matter what they do. Yeah. Then I would split them because I want to I want to operate on the assumption that he's having difficulty staying a part of the group in those two things for different reasons. Mhm. Okay. Which is usually true. I'm happy to be proven wrong on that, but I'm usually right about that that even though okay. it might be the same time period if it's two different activities um, we want to split it. So that's that's excellent. Let's hear the next. Okay, and then um, has a difficult time at cleanup. What's, what's cleaning the expectation? Up his cleaning up his that toys he would, during cleanup? That he would be able to clean up and he would be able to um, finish cleaning, like complete the cleanup and move on to the next thing. All right, now I'm, I'm going to say so that moving on to the next thing. So it's the transition for him, yeah. So... I might split this as well. Is he having trouble moving on, or is he having trouble cleaning up, or both? Both. Got it. So um, I might have difficulty cleaning up toys during cleanup as one unsolved problem. I might have difficulty moving from cleanup to the next activity, and is it always the same next activity, or is it different? Different. Mm, we'll go with the next activity, even though that's kind of clumped. But I just I just split that one into two. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because he might be having difficulty cleaning up for reasons that are completely different than the fact that he's having trouble moving on to the next thing. That makes sense. Yeah. What's the third? Um, has a difficult time sharing and exchanging toys with classmates. During, um, I guess I didn't specify that one because it's happened many times throughout the day. Okay, and so here's here's the only tricky part. First of all, you're doing a great job. I've done on the plan D, problems. plan B with a specific situation regarding that, yes. and um, we he ended up creating something that we call something wonderful, 
and you know we got all through the process it seemed like that it was a good solution um he took it into school and has been you know he's worked with it at home and sometimes you know even though the impulsivity gets in the way if i say um you know did you do something wonderful or can you do something wonderful it seems to trigger you know him to you know pay attention so it kind of makes him freeze a little bit and think um but at school he's not able to use it they said so we've you we've also not, gone yeah. back to to working with it with him and made it a little more accessible to him at school so that he can you know take a little more initiative you know have it like right you know so we were guaranteed that he would have it on him I made him a little bracelet with a pocket that he agreed and he was excited about that he took it in and they still feel he's not being he's not able to use it I believe okay. it's you know lagging support but Anyway. Well, and that I mean that that's what you'll probably have to get sorted out with them. But here's what else it yeah. could be. I mean, the mm-hmm. disadvantage of me doing this program and, you know, the goal is to make this model as accessible as possible to people. Yeah. But um having never met your son, mm-hmm. I don't know all of what's getting in his way. Right. And it is it is possible. You mentioned poor impulse control. There yeah, are definitely. some kids who need medication for poor impulse control. Mm-hmm. There are some kids who need medic or who would benefit from. I'm not going to say need because there are parents who aren't so enthusiastic about medical intervention. But the the situation with your son is going to be much more complicated um, than what I'm going to be able to do to guide you on yeah. this radio program having never met him. So I'm yeah. limiting my efforts to here today plan. especially to helping you get good unsolved problems written in. Right. But in the case of kids who I've never met, there's still complexity that I couldn't possibly, number one, appreciate given the amount of time that we're spending on this program, and do something about given the amount of time that we have on this program, especially right. having never met him. So yeah. the next step would be to think about, would the doing something wonderful piece really be, be well, would it, it sounds or, like it's uh, working for you sometimes at home. Or not a good solution home. at home, I mean at school, right? It might not be, and that number one, that could be, lack of support or lack of um who knows what it could be lack of at school but it could also it could also be less feasible at school i don't right. know and it could also be that in some conditions a psychosocial intervention non-medical mm-hmm. intervention might be more helpful in some conditions than in others so right. the jury's out on whether that's going to be an effective intervention. But here's the good news. You've got some very specific, high-priority, unsolved problems, so you are better positioned to get this organized for yourself, know what you're focusing on. They're not behaviors. That's the good part. These are unsolved problems. And whether these problems can be completely solved collaboratively, or whether you're going to need other interventions to help your son make maximal progress remains to be seen. But Mm -hmm. you are sounding much better today. 
It's good Thanks. to have unsolved problems to focus on, and that mm-hmm. helps you shake out the whether these problems can be solved collaboratively, the degree to which your son can actually participate in the process, and whether other interventions are going to be necessary to help him participate. Um, I think you're on your way. Mm-hmm. So with that, with the um, difficult time sharing, um, with the you know the solution that we came up with, would I um, then try to rephrase it to him and just deal with? I don't want to discourage him because he did come up with what I feel is something wonderful. I did name it yeah. <laughs> because yes. he, but he thought up everything. I mean, but um, but anyway, like you know, I don't want to discourage him from that because again, like that's his biggest contribution to the Plan B. I think so far, and yep. you know. And so anyway, like, I don't want to discourage him from that. So do I go back to the beginning as far as school, like rephrase it, or do I go back to, you know, the um, collaborative part at the end? You know, do I go all the way back to stage one with the this is happening at school, you know, what do you think? Or do I, um, like, what part do I go back to? Got it. Like, do I, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's working for you at home, and he came up with it, and that's great. So he's going to be feeling good about that. Uh The thing is, I don't know if I would go back to it on the school stuff until you have better information from the school folks about why it's not working at school. Right, and I gave him the sheet, and I haven't gotten it back yet, but maybe this week they'll give it back to me. Got it, and and you're you're meeting with them soon, yes? Yeah, I'm leading with um, with people about the IEP meeting tonight, and then I'm meeting with the teacher on Wednesday. So it is, yeah, and then I think it's after after you gather some information from them about. Um, and what I like is that the stage is set for you to work together with them. Mm-hmm. Um, after you hear from them about what's getting in the way of that solution working at school and the situations in which they're trying to apply it and how they're trying to apply it, yeah. you can potentially go back to him and say, boy, our something wonderful, I didn't exactly remember what you called it, but our yeah, something wonderful right. <laughs> um, thing, our something wonderful solution is working really well at home. I'm hearing that it's not working so well at school and I talked to your teachers about why that might be. Now, now, so let's go back and think about it now that I know what's not working about it at school. Now, here's, here's my concern, to yeah. tell you the truth. Okay. Right. Number one, is it really possible for you alone to solve this problem, or do you need the school folks involved in the discussion? Because here's what you're trying to do. Um, you're trying to solve a problem that's going on outside of your purview at school. Right. You're trying to solve it. And I don't find that that is a, 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 a um, successful strategy a lot of the time because you're missing okay. the folks who he's having the problem with at school. And the secondly, problems at home are, are, like, getting neglected because well, of that, too. Because yeah. I can only go to him so many times with Plan B. That's right. He gets that's exhausted. Right. And Got it. So, yeah, maybe I should just – I thought of that, too, you know, well, and I'm prepared to do that say. because I – yeah. Secondly, 
we need to find out, like, are they applying the something wonderful uh, solution so globally at school to everything that it couldn't possibly work because they're applying it to every problem he's having at school? Yeah, and that's, and that's possible. Enough. Right. So you got some information to gather when you meet with them. Um, you're welcome to call into this program anytime you want and keep us posted on how things are going. The only caveat is that since I haven't met you or your son and don't have great familiarity with the specifics of your situation, I can only take you so far, but I'm happy to take you as far as I can take you if you want to call back in. Okay. Good luck with it all. All right. Okay, thank You're a, you. Last last week all you right. heard Anna from our parents' panel tell you you are a wonderful mom. I'm going to add you're a brave mom for calling into the program. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. Take Green. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, bye. You too. So, um, cool. The stage is set. Still a whole lot more work to be done. Very hard for someone at home to solve the problems that are going on at school without involvement of the folks at school because the folks at school are your child's dance partner on the unsolved problems that are going on at school. That's why I find it always so fascinating when I'm hearing school folks, and by the way, not all school folks do this, but when I do hear this at school, that it's the parents' fault. The parents are to blame for the problems we're having with the child here at school. But the parent isn't at school when those problems are occurring at school. Do I fully appreciate that there are kids who go home to home situations that are not ideal? Yes. Do I also fully appreciate that it is especially with the kids who are going home to situations that are not ideal, that they need us to be at our very best in these six hours a day, five days a week, nine months of the year that we have the kid at school. Oh, yeah. What parents need us to bend over backwards the most to help them at school? The ones who are struggling the most and what a crucial role schools can play. But I've worked with a lot of parents who felt pushed away by the folks at school. And... um it doesn't have to be that way. And coming up with collaborative and proactive solutions is one very big part of helping us move things in another direction. All right. I'm gonna, given that we have no other callers at the moment, I'm going to go to the email bag here and start answering some email questions. Dr. Green, I'm living in Holland with my six-year-old daughter. Uh, good that People in the Netherlands are listening to this program, even though it's not in Dutch. She's showing a variety of the behavior you wrote about in your book, The Explosive Child. I'm very enthusiastic about the perspective you have on dealing with the problems children like my daughter show. My daughter has a severe language problem, which makes it very difficult to find out exactly what's bothering her when she goes out of her mind. For years now, it's still guessing what her triggers are. For example... I thought harsh sounds triggered her, but apparently it's not always that way. Sometimes she can handle a sudden change of plans very well. Sometimes it causes 
specific behavior that is very harmful, throwing herself on the ground, hitting her head, biting herself and me, pulling hair out of her head. She seems to be unreachable then. When she is finished, it's like she doesn't know that something strange happened. What I would like is kind of a clue about how to use Plan B when finding triggers seems to be only guessing. By the way, more than 180 professionals have seen my child. Your method is the first alternative that sounds reasonable to me and fitting to what I think my daughter experiences. I really want to help her. Please, can you help me to do that? Thank you. Well, don't thank me yet, but I'm happy to try to help. So here's another example of, uh, and as with almost all of these, me only being able to go so far in helping because I don't know your daughter, but the thing, or you, but I'm, what I'm glomming on to here is the fact that um, she has a severe language problem. And I'm going to guess that at the very least it's expressive language because you're saying that it makes it very difficult to find out exactly what's bothering her when she goes out of her mind. Now, when is the key word in that sentence? Because there are some... Well, the goal here is to be as proactive as possible. As, and it might, I, You might know that, I'm not sure, but I'll make the point anyways. The goal is to be proactive. So we don't want to try to put most of our energy into guessing what's the matter when we're in the thick of it. Here, we want to do this proactively. And sometimes it's hard to tell, but... Sometimes keeping a log of what was going on when your child became frustrated and upset can help us really home in on what's setting her off. Sometimes it takes taking a step back, keeping really close track for a week or two of the specific conditions in which she became upset, the demands that were being placed upon her, the expectations that were being placed upon her, what was going on, so that we can try to get a better handle on what it is that sets her off predictably and reliably. It's only by doing that that we can really home in on what's causing her to get upset and try to start solving those problems proactively. So that's crucial, and I can't quite tell from your email if you're trying to guess what her triggers are in the heat of the moment or if you're trying to guess what her triggers are, and I would call them unsolved problems, proactively. But in many instances, keeping a log helps so that you can piece together what the conditions are and what was going on in those conditions. That is a good way to do it, but I'd be interested in hearing from you if you've done that already and it hasn't worked so I can refine my answer a little bit. Now here's another piece of your email. You're saying sometimes she can handle a sudden change of plans very well, sometimes not. Well, here's what I would say. That says to me that changes in plan 
are an unsolved problem because we're not looking for 100 percenters here. We're looking for these specific changes in plan that do seem to set her off. Changes in plan is a very broad category, as I did with our caller in the first thing this morning uh, on this program. Um, We want to split it, and let's see if there are transitions and changes in plans that she's handling better than others. Um, And you may not find any 100 percenters there either, but we're not looking for 100 percenters. We're looking for unsolved problems that increase the likelihood of a challenging episode, not unsolved problems that set in motion a challenging episode with 100% reliability. So that's crucial. And the last thing I would comment on, if, if I hope those take you further, I'm not positive, but all I've got to go on here is your email, but my goodness, 180 professionals have seen your child. Um, Let's see if we can keep it to 181 here. And, of course, I'm not seeing your child, but let's see if we can help you uh, get to know your daughter through the prism of lagging skills and really refine those unsolved problems so you know what you're working on. Um, 180, boy, and she's six. Good for you for sticking with it. Good for you for sticking by your daughter, email back if my answers to these questions have not accomplished the mission. But I think that's as far as I can take you based on your email. Shall we move on to another one? Let's try. Hi, Dr. Green. My son is now 20 years old. And has, yeah, I forgot to turn my phone off. My son is now 20 years old and has many lagging skills and unsolved problems. I have been wringing my hands for two decades and have been ineffective in helping him learn the skills he needs to do well. Flexibility, adaptability, planning skills, and frustration tolerance are still big concerns. His first year of university was very difficult with low grades, conflict with roommates, lost books, lost keys, missed classes, late assignments, broken laptops, lost phones, and a frightening muddle of a dorm room. I read your book, The Explosive Child, when he was a young boy, and at the time found it helpful. We managed to get through the elementary and high school years okay with my son achieving good grades in his victory lap semester of high school, but I never managed to effectively teach these skills. Over time, I have drifted back into defeating habits of blaming my son for poor motivation or blaming myself for not being tough enough or getting the right help. I found your website today and appreciate your perspective. I will try to use the tools and have readjusted my lenses. Do you have any advice or resources specific to engaging and helping a young adult? Have you worked with young adults? And if so, how would the approach be different? Any advice for my son or for me? I wish I could turn back the clock and had found this website years ago. Well, let's see what I can do. Once again, with the caveat, I don't know your son or you, and I don't know all of what's getting 
in his way, but it certainly sounds to me like I would interpret his difficulties as someone who's having difficulty doing well. Um, I'm, I've got kids do well if they can lenses on here because I'm not thinking it's a big turn on him for him for to get low grades, to have conflict with roommates, to lose his books, lose his keys, miss classes, have late assignments, break laptops, lose phones. I don't think those are signs that he's having an easy time. Well, I don't think that, I think that if he could help those things go well, he would. How's that? Good way to say it. So I'm glad you've got the right lenses on again. I guess the big question is, does your son feel need to get some help? Many colleges and universities have um, offer help for students who need it. Um, Sometimes that's in the form of a counseling center. Sometimes that's in the form of academic help. Um, if you're, the, the big difference between doing this with a 20-year-old and doing it with a 6-year-old is um, your 20-year-old is no longer in your household, hard to do it from a distance. And this does require some in a 20-year-old um, some acknowledgement that there is a problem because it's going to take him doing some work on it too. Beyond that, believe it or not, the actual solving of problems collaboratively is the same three ingredients, whether it's a 20-year-old or a 4-year-old or a 37-year-old. The ingredients are the same. Um, and as you mentioned in your email, blaming, whether you're blaming yourself or blaming your son, um, blaming's unlikely to get you there. So let's bypass the blaming. Figure out what skills your son is lacking. You've already got a bunch of unsolved problems written into your email, so we know what we're trying to work on. Now the big question, does your son acknowledge that he needs some help with this stuff, and how is he going to get it, and what role are you going to play? Beyond that, solving a problem collaboratively looks pretty much the same in terms of the ingredients with a 20-year-old as it does with a 4-year-old. Shall we keep going? Here's another. Dr. Green, my husband and I have been trying Plan B with our son for a little over six months now. Sometimes we succeed and other times we don't. It is a two steps forward, one step backward situation, but I'm happy to be moving forward at all. As we move on to more difficult behaviors in the list of challenging behaviors... I find that it gets harder and harder for our son to talk. Yes, I paused on the word behavior for a good reason, but I'll come back to it. How do you keep drilling when you can't get your child to participate? At some level, I think he has drawn the line in the sand and just doesn't want to go down the road to solving some of the problems. There's the word problems. The one we are dealing with now is completing schoolwork so that he doesn't fail his classes. 
I feel like he is in over his head. He looks for other things to create antagonism when we talk about schoolwork. He will often resort to insults almost in an attempt to thwart our efforts and make the discussion about something else. He knows the best way to do that is to make one of us angry. How do we get past that? All right, here we go. Um, A few different points in this, what you've written here. You've given us quite a bit of grist for the mill here. Uh, So here's point number one. Well, point number one is thanks for writing. Point number two, let's see if I can help you out. I think I can help you out in a few ways. First of all, we're not talking with him about difficult behaviors. We're talking about the unsolved problems that are giving rise to those challenging behaviors. Why is that important? Because let's say your son is hitting, and I didn't see that he's hitting, but let's say he's hitting. If you talk with him about hitting, you're talking with him about all of the unsolved problems he responds to with hitting, which means you could be, if you're talking with him about hitting, you could be talking with him about 27 different unsolved problems at the same time. And if you're trying to talk with him about 27 different unsolved problems at the same time because he tries to deal with all of them by hitting, then you are guaranteed to solve none of them, but perhaps, and this relates to a second part of your email, a lot of kids, if you talk with them about their behavior, besides the fact that that isn't a very productive way to talk with them in the first place, a lot of them feel like they're in trouble, get defensive, and will not participate in the process. So, I don't know your situation at all beyond your email, but... Make sure you're talking with your son about unsolved problems, not behaviors, um, because that might be why he's not participating. Plus, so I would not assume that he has drawn the line in the sand and just doesn't want to go down the road to solving some of the problems. I would not assume that. I would not assume that he's looking for other things to create antagonism when you talk with him about schoolwork. I would not believe that he's attempting to thwart your efforts and make the discussion of, well, uh, he he might be trying to make the discussion about something else. I don't think his goal is to make you angry for the purpose of well, you know, I don't, I don't think his goal in life is to make you angry, but he might be trying to end the discussion, especially if the discussion is about behavior or if the unsolved problem that we're talking with him about is so vague that he really can't participate. Drilling is made much easier if you're sticking with the drilling strategy. And there's a, there's a new drilling cheat sheet on the Lives in the Balance website in the resources section in the paperwork section. The paperwork section of the resources section has a drilling cheat sheet to help you drill well and increase the likelihood that your son will participate. But we got to make sure we're talking about unsolved problems, not behaviors, first. Even if you're a world-class driller, if you're talking with your son about behaviors, not unsolved problems, he may not participate. One last point, then I'm going to try to answer one other email before we're done for the day. Completing schoolwork so that he doesn't fail his classes. We don't need these so he doesn't fail his part in there, so he's having difficulty completing schoolwork. Now, I would call that clumped at the moment, 
because he might be having difficulty completing the work in math for different for reasons that are completely different than that he's having trouble completing the writing the definitions to the spelling words in English. So we need to make a list of all of the types of schoolwork he's having difficulty completing and be very specific about them. Because, so your list of unsolved problems has just grown dramatically. And then we're going to start talking with him about one at a time. So here's another reason that your son may be having difficulty participating. If we try to talk with him about the unsolved problem of difficulty completing schoolwork, then we are trying to talk with him about all schoolwork he's having difficulty completing. And if that's 12 different things, he's not going to be able to participate in the conversation. So we need to split it into the different assignments in the different subjects that he's having difficulty completing. So here's what we're going to want to know. You should feel free to email back if you wish, but um, here's what we want to know. If we talk with him about unsolved problems instead of behavior, if we do this proactively, if the unsolved problems are split and not clumped, and if we try to get rid of our theories that he is trying to sabotage the process, let's see if it goes any better. Feel free to email back and let us know. I'm always very excited for updates. All right, we have three minutes left. Can we do it? Let's see. Whoops. All right. One more. All right, I'm not going to do that one. That's going to take a while. Here I am wasting time on deciding which one I'm going to do. Nope. Let's try this last one. This last one's the go, no matter what. Here we go. Dr. Green, my five-year-old just entered a public preschool program. I have shared your information, provided your Lost at School book, and continually remind the school that CPS is what I see as crucial for understanding him and solving problems. I seem to be the one getting furthest with him on Plan B regarding problems at school, and the teacher has been able to make some environmental changes that have made a difference, as well as tweaks to the curriculum. All good so far, by the way. However, a theme that seems to recur is his lagging social and emotional skills and the mishandling or misinterpretation of them. I am preparing to go after the services denied to him so that they could help him with his lagging skills, as he does not seem to be getting what he desperately needs in the classroom alone. He was denied one of the services due to his very advanced academic skills. However, on the flip side, his social and emotional skills are lagging just as much. Any advice on challenging an IEP? Well, you're ahead of me a little here, and here's what I mean. It sounds like you and the classroom teacher are working well together on some things, although you weren't specific about what things. Um, I heard about tweaks to the curriculum. That's good. I heard about environmental changes. That's good. And I heard that you're making some headway on solving problems with your child, but I don't know what those problems were about. Not knowing anything further about your situation and knowing that you've had some services denied to you, here's what I'm wondering. What would happen if we took those lagging social skills and made them into specific unsolved problems 
and started seeing if either you and or the teacher, preferably both, could start doing some plan B on those. Because it sounds, my reading of the tea leaves, and I could be completely wrong, is that those are the ones that are still causing difficulty, but I don't know if those are being worked on at school. Am I ready to say, let's go after a new IEP? Um, Not quite. Do I think you'll do it if you need to? Yep, you're primed. Not knowing enough about your situation to say whether whatever services would be provided to your son because of those lagging skills, are those what he needs? I have no idea. Would I start by trying to do some plan B on the unsolved problems that are flowing from the lagging skills that you feel aren't being addressed yet? Yes. Please email and keep us posted on how things are going. I'm sorry to say that's it for us today, but I'll be back next week. Talk to them. Take care.